Welcome back to Six Minute Sex Ed, the podcast that helps people talk about sex and relationships. My name's Kim Cavill. I'm a sex education teacher, and I'm so glad you're listening. I make this podcast for busy people to listen to together. Listen together and then talk about it. For more information about me, check out my website, teaandintimacy.com. Before we get to the show, I want to deliver a content warning. Because this week's episode is about child abuse prevention, and so we're going to speak about child abuse in order to talk about the prevention of child abuse in this episode. So if you're not in the right space or the right frame of mind or not at the right place and time to listen to this content right now, come back later when you feel like you're ready. In order to learn about child abuse prevention, I spoke to Megan Backoffen, who's specialized in providing mental health treatment to child sexual abuse survivors and their families for many years. Megan's the core sexual abuse treatment provider for Garfield County Department of Human Services and works out of the Riverbridge Regional Center. The links are in the show notes. Megan's passionate about using evidence-based modalities and is a trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy provider. Her experience has allowed her to develop an ex- expertise in working with victimized children and their non-offending caregivers. In addition to providing therapy, her most requested class, The Top 10 Things Parents Can Do to Prevent Child Sexual Abuse, which is available by podcast, link in the show notes, inspired her children's book, Who's the Boss of This Body? Megan also teaches trauma courses as an adjunct professor for the University of Denver MSW program in Western Colorado. She's especially grateful to all of her former clients for being her greatest teachers and to her cousin and Finico Agency for the engaging illustrations of her book. Before we get to the amazing interview with Megan, I want to share an excerpt from her book, Who's the Boss of This Body, which is written for young children and covers all of the basic safety skills for child abuse prevention in a really fun, non-scary, non-threatening way. I love this book, and I just want to read a little bit of it to you so that you can get a feel for the kind of work that Megan does. So one day I said to my mom, can't I just be in charge of one thing? And she said, sure, you already are. You are the boss of your body. And I'm thinking, this body? Yeah, right. And then she said to me, well, grown-ups should teach kids what to do with their bodies to keep them safe and healthy. We want you to eat right, brush your teeth, and be clean to keep your body safe from germs. We don't want you to get sick. And we buckle you in the car and put a bike helmet on your head when you ride to keep you from danger as much as we can, because we don't want you to get hurt. But really, you are the boss of your body. Honestly, this book is great. I just adore it. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Megan. Hi, Megan. How are you? Hi. Good morning. I'm great. Thanks. I'm so glad you're on the podcast talking about your wonderful book, Who's the Boss of This Body?, which is really about, well, it's about a lot of things, and we'll get into that later, but um, I love your book. I'm such a fan, and I'm so glad you're on to talk to myself and the listeners of Six Minute Sex Ed, so welcome. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the issues covered specifically by your wonderful book, I wondered if you could tell myself and the listeners of Six Minute Sex Ed a little bit more about yourself and your work. Sure. Um, so my name is Megan Backhoffen, and I ha- am working at a children's advocacy center here in western Colorado. 
I am pretty much outside of ski country near Aspen and Vail, and our advocacy center serves four different counties. I've been working here since 2007 when we opened and basically have been doing my job um, with Garfield County Department of Human Services since 2004. And I serve as a mental health therapist here um, for the county and work particularly in child welfare and see cases of child abuse and neglect, most specifically here at the Children's Advocacy Center, uh, cases of child sexual abuse. And so I have the privilege of meeting with children and their families right at the onset of an investigation, right when they're first telling about their abuse and helping them through the process. That is such important work. So thank you for doing that work. I know I certainly appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening appreciates that too. So thank you for sharing your time and thank you for doing the work that you do. So your book, Who's the Boss of This Body? I came across it when I was looking for books to use when I teach child abuse prevention classes, particularly at the elementary level and when with young children. And there's a lot of books out there that kind of address particular skills that are important in those kinds of classes that I teach. But yours was the one that I felt included everything that really needed to be spoken about in one simple, very easy to understand story. And so that's why I'm such a huge fan of your book and I was so thrilled to be able to find it and why I'm so excited to tell everybody about that book because I think it's wonderful. And I I can tell you from bringing that book into classrooms, a lot of the school social workers and teachers who see that book when I read it with children and then go through processing, they end up buying, I know that they've been buying copies of that book because they love it as much as I do. So um, I'm super excited to ask you about this wonderful book that you've written. And the first thing I was wondering was, you know, what was your inspiration for writing Who's the Boss of This Body? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for that because that's exactly the reason I did write it is that ultimately I'd really love to work myself out of a job and not have any more (laughs) sexual abuse victims to treat. Um, And I think really the only way that we'll ever even come close to that is by eliminating the secrecy that surrounds sexual abuse. And I think that there are um, a lot of issues that prevent kids from getting this education. Uh, And I think that a lot of the time it's just, parents' avoidance. Um, It seems like an icky topic. They don't want to scare their kids. They think it's too soon for the sex talk. And so parents really uh, don't talk to their kids about sexual abuse prevention, when in fact, when you look at the statistics, it's really a public health crisis that threatens a lot of our kids. And if we could see it for the numbers that it is and the risk, um, we would really make it more of a top priority. But this is really what sex offenders rely on, is that it's uncomfortable for people to talk about. They avoid it. There are, in some places, efforts made to keep programs like yours out of the schools. And uh, it's just, it's a lot of misinformation. And I think that it, it comes from really two places. First of all, a fear of scaring kids. And I I really strongly disagree with that. I think that you can see from this book that the topic definitely can be brought to a kid's attention in a non-frightening way. 
and that uh, we really, it, it's just, it's really very necessary. But the bottom line is that you're not filling kids' minds with horrible images of sexual assault or anything like that. You're just mm-hmm. teaching them that these are their private parts, that anatomically correct names for their private parts, and uh, telling them that they're really in charge of them as they grow older. Uh, so I think that that fear factor, I mean, it really surprises me how much parents are, are so afraid of, oh, God, I don't want to scare them. And I'm like, well, if your kid's in kindergarten, they're really, they're already practicing lockdown drills. They have tornado drills. They have fire drills. There are all kinds of things that happen. I can remember when my daughter had fire safety week and was practicing stop, drop, and roll and making fire Mm -hmm. safety evacuation plans. She was having nightmares that week. And I'm not going to go marching into the school telling them that I don't want them to teach fire safety. Mm -hmm. I recognize that it's a necessary evil. But when kids are having to imagine what their response is going to be if a gunman came into their classroom, I would say that's much scarier than just teaching them about their private parts and what they need to do to keep them safe. Um, The other thing that I think really prevents this is people's fear of too early um, sex education. And so when people ask me at what age you should start talking to your kids about this, I say really as soon as language develops. I mean, when you're teaching them that this is their foot, this is their knee, this is their penis, they they should be, that's where the education really begins very early. Um, and that's really not teaching them sexually explicit material in any way. In fact, I think you can read this book and do a lot of safety as far as sexual abuse prevention without ever telling them anything about sex. That is a conversation to come later on with with sex education programs. Like it sounds like, you know, you provide a lot of information on that in in your podcast. But I think mm-hmm. that more that we equate sexual abuse with sex, it's just it's really dangerous territory. Uh, there's really they have nothing to do with each other. Sexual abuse is abuse, and we don't want kids mm-hmm. to to be thinking about this as some kind of sexual activity um, because it's really abusive activity. And and when they do grow up to have healthy sexual relationships, that experience is going to be absolutely nothing like a sexual abuse experience. And so simply stated and so well put. And I really um, thank you for sharing that. such a good point, too. Just because, you know, the subject that we talk about, so with sex education and sexual abuse prevention, you kind of have that miasma of fear that ends up applying to both when you're right. You know, when we talk about sexual abuse prevention, when I'm in, you know, working with second graders, for example, I'm, I'm not teaching anything about sex. I'm teaching safety skills, bodily autonomy, uh, and it's, it's focused on the prevention of violence, you know, which is, is a different thing from teaching somebody about birth control and contraception. So, it's really unfair to have sexual abuse prevention kind of have to share that same kind of miasma of fear that we just generally have around anything with the word sex in in this country. So you said, you know, people who are, you know, harm children in this way kind of rely on that avoidance then of the issue. So that is such a really, such a good important point to share. And so the next question I wanted to ask you is how can parents and caring adults use your book to help young children learn safety skills? So, well, what happened um, about, I guess it was about 10 years ago, and that's after several years of just kind of pulling my hair out and recognizing these gaps. You know, I was noticing things in my clients that I was working with as a mental health clinician 
um, and and really seeing kind of how how this abuse was allowed to happen in some ways. And so I really identified three primary things that were going on. First of all, that they had absolutely no idea what sexual abuse was, that for the most part, most of my clients, nobody had ever told them about sexual abuse. They just it, they were completely overwhelmed and confused during the act because they had absolutely no frame of reference. The second thing is that nobody had taught them that they were the boss of their body, that they had the right to question authority in certain circumstances or to set boundaries, um, that that was an inherent right that they had. And thirdly, that nobody had really talked to them about secrets. In fact, a lot of times kids are taught that secrets are fun. And really, I, I talk that secrets are not safe, that um, we shouldn't use that word secrets. It's more about surprises because surprises have an end date and they're exciting. And secrets have this whole other energy around them as something that you shouldn't ever tell and uh, that you don't want people to find out. So those three things, really, I wanted to get that message across to parents that, that these are, are really important things for us to be talking to our kids about. Because like I said, with all of these hundreds and hundreds of sexual abuse survivors that I've been so privileged that they've shared their stories with me, um, they've been my greatest teachers. And I could just see so clearly these gaps. And so I created this class that I've been teaching for about 10 years now, that the top 10 things parents can do to prevent child sexual abuse. And um, I've been te- teaching that all over the state of Colorado. And it was just from that and, and really promoting those, those main three messages I just mentioned um, to what parents need to tell their kids. Um, and along with a lot of other just information that they needed to have, that's in the other tips about, um, you know, just that, for example, sex offenders are most often people that children know, and they're not the stranger in the dark alley. And so there's so many myths out there. And so the class really addresses a lot of that. And so, like I said, I've been doing this class for many years, and so often parents ask me what books I would recommend so that they could take this message home to their kids. And I've, I've always had a book list and um, referred them to, to books, but I felt like they needed to buy a few different ones because it's just none of them were all encompassing of those basic messages. And so ultimately I just decided that I wanted to put those messages out in one book, um, and it was that's how it came together, and I'm so blessed that I have a cousin with a graphics design firm because I think every children's book just completely is reliant on the illustrations, and so they did an excellent job, and, and that's how it came to be. Yeah, I love the I love the illustrations in the book. They're really great. Um, I love especially when you're talking about, like, who's the boss of – like, you're the boss of your eyes. There's um, kind of like a – funny, a friendly looking little monster, kind of like the type you see on Sesame Street. And then you have the same for when you're talking about like, um, and you're the boss of your ears. There's a fuzzy, friendly looking uh, monster there. And so I appreciate the illustrations and I know from reading it to so many children that they do too. They, they love, they love the illustrations. So yes, props to the design firm because they did a great job. And I wanted to, and those, thank you for sharing those tips. And, um, you know, for sure we'll include a link in the show notes to you and your work. So if people are in the Colorado area or coming to Colorado, they can look up and maybe figure out where and when to take your next 
class because it sounds fantastic. So we'll include a link in the show notes to that, too. Perfect. And, yeah, actually, and then, a project uh, that I'm doing is trying to put that class into a podcast. And so maybe eventually oh. there will be a link that parents can – because I just – I want the message to be out as to as many people as possible because I, I really – I think it will go hand-in-hand hand with the book. This is Kim just jumping in to let you know that Megan has put her class in podcast form, and the link is definitely in the show notes. And then um, while I have you here, I wanted to ask, uh, this is the most common question I get from staff members and school staff especially that work with young children. Uh, How can kids learn about bodily autonomy while they still need assistance with certain aspects of personal care? Yeah, I think that that's really where the opportunity is to start these conversations with kids uh, really about being the boss of their body. And so I think that You know, there are natural developmental stages that kids go through where they start getting more independence, either through toileting and through bathing and levels of privacy as they move into older, you know, later in childhood and in early adolescence. And so there's just always ways for parents to use those opportunities to to do body safety. So, for example, if you are teaching your four-year-old how to bathe themselves, how to wash themselves, you know, you can use that as an opportunity because now they have all the appropriate anatomically correct language. And so you're showing them in the bathtub how to wash themselves. And, gosh, you are getting so big. I think that you are really able to wash your vagina all by yourself. And maybe I don't even need to help you anymore because, you know, you are the boss of your body. And nobody has the right to look at or touch your vagina without your permission. Sometimes mommy still needs to help you for cleaning, right? Or maybe if something happened and you got hurt. But really, you're so much the boss of your body that you can really do it on your own. Same thing to use that in toileting as they're learning to wipe and as they're getting older. Um, so I think that, you know, especially like in school settings and things where, where teachers are in that position to really encourage them to learn those skills so that they can graduate to being the boss of their body, you know, as kind of an incentive that you're getting so big. I think you can especially use it if you have the, the fortune of having younger children in the home. So if you're there with your five-year-old and you've really been trying to get him to motivate on uh, wiping himself, cleaning himself in the bathroom, you know, you can point out as, as you're cleaning the baby with the uh, changing the diaper, like, yeah, he is just still so little that I need to help him clean because he's not the boss of his body yet, but you are old enough to be the boss of your body, right? And nobody needs to touch your bum when's the only time you get your bum touched when I have to help you after you go to the bathroom, so, you know, the the bigger you get, the more you can just be the boss of your body yourself, and nobody needs to touch you there because you're the boss. So I think just looking for those opportunities, and, and that's really what a lot of the, the class that I do is about, is just really helping parents to to bring this into just every day. Because I think that that aversion to the sex talk <laughs> is the same thing that they have the aversion to the sexual abuse talk. And I, I don't see this as being a talk necessarily. I mean, I think you can sit down and read them a book like this, but but really it's more of 
parenting skills and just what you're using in general. If you find that your child is staring at somebody in a public dressing room and, you know, really, you know, looking at a person that is naked, you can say, honey, they are the boss of their body. They, you don't need to stare at them, honey. You shouldn't be looking at them. They're the boss of their body and using it in, in situations. So um, that's what I really try to help parents do is, is find scenarios in which they'll be able to remind the child that they're the boss of their body or help them really set those boundaries. I, I think I, there's so many uh, situations that I can just think of, um, not just in my professional life, but, you know, I've got two children myself where though we've had those kind of ongoing conversations that, you're right, do change in complexity and maturity as kids get older. And then I think uh, they're what I'm hearing you say too, and helping children learn that they can set boundaries, I think it's important for us as parents and caring adults to help children enforce those boundaries sometimes too when when they need kind of a backup. I mean, I'm thinking of sometimes when, you know, extended family members or friends or, you know, are tickling and then the kid says stop, but then maybe their boundary isn't being respected, providing that kind of enforcement measure to say, well, actually, no, my child is the boss of their body and they're telling you to stop, so you need to respect that boundary and that's how we do things in this family. And I think that that kind of goes along with what you were saying, too, and um, not just to help children uh, set their boundaries, but also feel empowered to help enforce those boundaries um, with children as well, if they ever need assistance. Yeah, absolutely. And and can I bring up a perfect example of where parents can use this? Because tis the season, and I don't know if this drives you crazy, but go to a shopping <laughs> mall, and everyone is forcing these kids to sit on Santa's lap. And, you know, there are a lot yeah. of screaming children crying their eyes out, and everybody thinks it's so cute to take their picture and memorialize the fact that their child is so uncomfortable and clearly not the boss of their body. And you might think that it's a minor infraction and for a good photo, but, I mean, really, if you're going to send these messages to your child that you're the boss of your body, then you want to stand behind it, right, and and use that as an opportunity, like, okay, well, if you don't want to sit on his lap, you're the boss of your body, so you don't have to do it. And, God, that's so yeah. empowering. But when you're like, oh, well, we're really not going to enforce that in this instance, and you just you know, force him to sit on his lap, just take for a moment and, and really place yourself in the child's discomfort because I don't know about you and when the last time was that you had to sit on somebody's lap that you didn't want to sit on. But if you can just imagine somebody as an adult forcing you to do that, that you actually have to sit and be held on somebody's lap when you don't want it, what that body feeling would be like for you that uh-oh feeling that would come up and the discomfort. That's what your child is feeling, and, and you're you're forcing that on them for the sake of a photo. So it's just yeah. there are so many ways in our culture that that we do this, and, you know, it's just it's, it's really unfortunate, and it's, it's that, I, I guess, overall general mindset that, that really thrills sex offenders because this is exactly what they're looking for, is how how to manipulate and take advantage of these opportunities of kids being just totally confused. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, absolutely. We have to think critically, even when it's inconvenient, you know, and even when there's a lot of social pressure uh, to swim along with the with swim along in the same direction as everybody else. But I think yeah, it's, sometimes um, you have to join your child in that discomfort. 
you know, you have to meet them there because they're uncomfortable. Now you have to be uncomfortable too. Yeah, that is such a good way to put it. And, you know, even when you're describing, like, imagine yourself in a scenario being forced to sit on somebody's lap, and then you add that extra layer of what power from a parent or a guardian or caring adult feels like from a child's point of view, where their basic survival, their basic needs are all contingent upon, you know, the parent or guardian continuing to provide, right? Your shelter, your food, your, you know, every basic need that you have is not necessarily within your control and you're reliant on that. You, so then you have that extra layer, which you imagine as an adult being forced into this situation, but on top of that, like, you have this whole complexity that goes along with that of like, well, if I don't comply, what does that mean for, you know, my next meal? What does that mean for when I go home as a child and this is the person I rely on to meet my basic needs? And that makes it, at least for me, when I picture myself in that situation, untenably uncomfortable. You know, like it, I get really distraught um, trying to imagine myself and how I feel in that situation. Absolutely. So I, this is such great information, and I'm so glad that you shared it with us. I'll include, of course, a link to your wonderful book, Who's the Boss of This Body? No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. Remember, you can send questions and comments to 6minutesexed at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram, and you can find me on Twitter. See you in a couple weeks with another episode.